The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, all of you intentional spirits, and thank you so much for being part of our show and and for the support that you've been offering us for five years now. Jeff, can you believe that? I want to honor Jeff Comfort today. He is the station manager at Headquarters of Unity, and because of him, everything runs seamless, and because of you, uh, we actually uh, have a show that, that runs in countries throughout the world, and we are so grateful. I love that we have dynamic and intentional people who follow through regardless of conditions, uh, external set circumstances, uh, whatever is going on around us. There are certain people that continue to be difference makers because they're willing to be difference makers in the best of times and in the most complex times. Jim Lockard is that type of person. He has written a book, Creating the Beloved Community. Jim, welcome to our show today. Thank you so much, Temple. It's great to be here. Well, it's so wonderful to have this visit with you, and I'm sure you're aware that you and I, you know, the joy of aging is that you get to throw big numbers around. (laughs) So, you know, you and I, we have been friends now for 31 years. That's right. That's right. And um, I tell you, I have watched the way you impact um, community. I, I have watched the way that you are such a phenomenal contributor to the Centers for Spiritual Living and for the Guide for Spiritual Living, the Science of Mind magazine. And thank you so much for for all the work that you do. You're you're all that and then some. <laughs> thank you so much. And you've, you've been a, a great inspiration to me along the way, seeing the amazing work that you've been doing as well. Oh, thank you, Jim. Well, I always love to, um, you know, I remind our audience both on radio and in our spiritual community that often when you see someone with a platform, you're hearing where they have arrived and continue to move forward with their work. But we have been shape-shifted, if you will, to being able to have depth about the work that we believe in. And I'm very curious, I know our listeners are, 
tell us how you got started. How did you, you know, get on a path of, you know, caring about a beloved community, uh, go any direction that you, you want to go. We don't have a script. Um, but how did Jim become a person that says, this is what I believe, this is what I stand for, and I want to dedicate my life to it? Well, I think my pathway was somewhat unusual in that uh, I kind of found my way to new thought uh, ideas and so forth through law enforcement. Um, I was a police officer in Dade County, Florida, where I happen to be staying right now for a few months. And there were some folks I worked with uh, in the training unit that we were doing some very interesting things using neuro-linguistic programming and positive thinking and self-image psychology and things like that. Um, to work with some of the specialized units in the police department and then later police recruits to help them to develop the proper mental attitude to succeed in what they were trying to do, which was graduate from the police academy. And a couple of the folks I worked with were also involved uh, with the spiritual community in Fort Lauderdale, then called the Science of Mind Center. Now it's the Center for Spiritual Living, uh, Fort Lauderdale. And um, they suggested I stop by because I lived in Fort Lauderdale, and I did. And uh, that's kind of how I found the teaching. Um, also, I would say I have to give credit to the books of Wayne Dyer, some of his earlier books um, from back in those days. This was back in the early 80s. So Pulling Your Own Strings was one that had a lot of influence on me. So that, that's how I got in the door. And, um, you know, not the typical way, but I think we all find our own way uh, into this kind of wisdom. And I want to keep the story uh, focused on you, but I, I have to say, because I have a unique sense of humor, I was thinking that I got my start with law enforcement, too, but it wasn't exactly <laughs> it wasn't exactly the path that you're talking about, but it sure helped me kind of shape shift into a more responsible um, and unfortunately, sober human being. But we'll we'll leave that talk for some other time when you're interviewing me along the way. Um, okay, did you that know, sounds good. <laughs> did you know right away that that you wanted to move into ministry? Uh, did you feel that sense of home within a community? I felt the sense of home right away. It probably took me a couple of years to really of classes and attending Sunday services and being in the community to really see that I wanted to, uh, well, I guess dedicate my life to teaching this material that I also, you know, was trying to learn. I've always been a teacher. I, I was, my original college major was education, and back in those days, uh, they were coming through, at least where I was, and telling all the education majors to change their major because there were no teaching jobs. That was kind of the end of the baby boomer, boomer generation, and the, the next generations hadn't really kicked in yet, so they were laying off teachers, and that's why I went into law enforcement. Um, but in law enforcement, I ended up gravitating to the teaching and training units quite a bit. And um, so finding this kind of a ministry where, I, you know, I, I really think that for New Thought, for the, for the most part, we're a teaching, not a preaching. And it's, uh, you know, it's learning the principles um, in class and also on Sundays that really make a difference in people's lives. Absolutely. And um, being a speaking coach, I, I have been for 20 years now. 
Neuro-linguistic programming is some of the most uh, powerful tools that you can be aware of and use uh, that are so transformative. I, I think it at times can be one of the most overlooked um, methods that we have in our society today that, that people um, just don't know enough about. And you're probably aware that uh, one of the Grinder brothers, one of the original founders of neuro-linguistic programming, actually lived for a long time in Boca and trained some of us in our third year at uh, Dr. Barbara Lundy's church and Science of Mind there, um, how to use it to become a, a great speaker. Uh-huh. Yeah, I did know that. And that's, uh, yeah, that was, I'm, I'm a little bit envious of that because I, I wasn't around doing classes, I don't think, at that exact time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with your um, with your book, um, tell us how did that come into being? Has it been the the book inside your heart, um, basically inclusive of what you know to be true with Howard Thurman's teachings and and Martin Luther King? Well. It's been on my mind in some form or fashion for a long time, but it was over the last, probably the last year when I've been doing a blog um, on New Thought Leadership. And um, what I've been writing about for, you know, I try to write about what kind of an outsider can write about that the people inside the organization maybe can't or don't, uh, because I was in the organization for a long time in Centers for Spiritual Living and in its predecessor organizations, Religious Science International and so forth. And um, I've always been interested in organizations. So this book is really, it's called A Handbook for Spiritual Leaders because it really is about looking at how we do organization and does the way we do organization in our spiritual realm inhibit our ability to really uh, put the principles of our faith tradition out in the world. I see so many spiritual communities today that are struggling um, you know, to pay the bills, to keep people in the seats, to, you know, all the kinds of day-to-day things that come up. Or there's lots of drama going on and, you know, that kind of thing. So what I've been trying to focus on is looking at spiritual leadership in a time of great cultural transition, where the way we do spiritual community is has been changing. And I it seems like so often we find ourselves behind the curve in terms of how that's unfolding, and we try to do what we used to do. Um, I, I always say we try to do what we used to do louder, even though it isn't working as well. And it's not <laughs> to say there aren't. I'm sorry. I think you should. I think you should repeat that one. That's a really good one. We try to do what yeah. we've always done louder. I love it. Yeah, when things start, when you know, when what used to work doesn't work anymore, we tend to just try to do it more emphatically. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. I was talking to a minister about a year and a half ago about the blog and about some of this cultural evolutionary ideas, and and he was saying, well, uh, yeah, I get that. We want to bring the millennials in in greater numbers. So I talked to the band, our, our house band, about playing Beatles music, and I said, okay, let's do the math. Uh, the Beatles broke up in 1974, which was about uh, 40 years before our conversation. <laughs> I said, if you were in 1974 and you said the same equivalent in terms of popular music, you'd be telling your band to play Al Jolson music. 
Right. And I, I like let that sink in a minute. And he says, but I don't like the new music. You know, so again, we have these kinds of things that get in the way of our maybe opening to new ideas and new possibilities and to recognize that each generation is different than the one before it in, in, in many ways. And the millennial generation is uh, very much about individualism and personal choice, and they don't join the way that previous generations did. Um, they want to keep their options open. And that really has an effect on how spiritual organization looks. Absolutely. And I, I'm still surprised that spiritual leaders out there still use the form of teaching that's talking at versus talking with. Um, that is such an old um, method of standing behind the podium and talking at people. Um, it, it doesn't help build community at all. Um, in addition to, to the music and, and also, um, the hesitancy to use the language of, you know, Twitter and Instagram and, you know, those kind of things. I mean, whether we think it's ours to do or not, it really is because it's what our millennials are doing. Um, our young kids are doing and, um, they want us to be cool. They want us to know how to do these things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's not just the millennials. I think it's, you know, the, a lot of the boomers, there's a, there's a dynamic going on that's been uh, shown in the Pew organization's research that they're calling them the Duns, D-O-N-E-S. And these are baby boomers who are leaving spiritual communities who have been the key givers, the key volunteers, and they're just getting to the point where they're tired of spiritual organizations and can be local communities, you know, local churches or mosques or synagogues where all of the energy goes into sustaining the organization and very little goes into spiritually building the people and taking it out to the world. Mm-hmm. And I just think we I just think we're beyond the time where people are going to put up with, you know, let's build a new sanctuary or let's give the minister a raise as the primary reason for being. Right. And um, so that's really what the book is about. It's about looking at, um, A, are you as a spiritual leader, and, and this is anyone in leadership, could be a board member or a lay leader or the minister or whatever, are you really doing your own work, not only in your spiritual growth but in your psychological development, A, and the other side of it is are you looking at the models for cultural evolution that are out there that can give you a whole lot of insight into some of the dynamics that are unfolding that you're probably unconsciously fighting against or ignoring because you don't have that piece of the puzzle in your understanding. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you're, you know, that that you've offered this, and um, I know that you sent me the information, and I felt privileged to endorse it. Uh, I, I yes, love. I appreciate idea. that. <laughs> I love this idea, and um, I know that some other individuals out there, like our brother and colleague that we adore so much, Dr. Dennis Merritt-Jones, um, really saw the the wisdom of, of what you have to offer. Are you getting some feedback? Has there Have there been any communities at this point that are actually putting into motion some of the suggestions about creating the beloved and dynamic community? Well, the book just went up on Amazon this week, so it's brand new. 
and um, I, you know, that was just launched a couple days ago. So I have, you know, the first couple days saw pretty good sales, so I think that's very good. And um, so I'm encouraging people, if they are a spiritual leader, to buy it, or if they, if they want to buy a copy for their own spiritual leader in their community so they can take a look at it. And um, I think down the road we'll start to see. I'm, I'm very open to going around and working with congregations, working with leadership teams, as I have been doing. Um, what you, I don't know if you know this or not, uh, but my wife, Dorianne, and I, we sold our home in the beginning of 2015, and we've been traveling full-time for almost two years now. Good and for we're you. About ha- yeah, we're RV, about half-time RV in Europe RV. and about half-time in the States. Okay. Are you doing RV travel or... No, 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 no. That's not who we are. We're, we're, we're right now. We're in a we're in a co-living, co-working community in Miami, in downtown Miami. That's filled with young millennial uh, um, internet entrepreneurs. Oh yeah. And so we're here for about three months, and and uh, there's co-working spaces, and it's got great Wi-Fi and all that, and we're meeting all these amazing young people from all over the world. And every day they meditate and they do workouts together and they have social time together and um, they're really tuned in and very much awake to the spiritual uh, undercurrents of the day, which is which is really great to see. Oh, that's awesome! Well, along the way, I want you to come see us. We are we're Love modeling it. exactly what your book is about. We have millennials come from all over the state, from various colleges, because they hear about us. Uh, the work that we do in animal adoption, in different various life right projects, and uh, global peace work, and all of that. So they they come here. We have large groups of young people here, and a lot of diversity and inclusivity, and in full house. So. Love to have you here and and have your energy and also uh, for you to present something here. I really like that I would a lot. Love to. Yeah, I would. I would just like to add at this point that there's a lot of thriving spiritual communities. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think that the ground has shifted. You know, I like to say this: it's not that the sky is falling; it's that the earth is moving. And um, what's happening is there are these cultural dynamics. You're one poster quote after another today. <laughs> well, I try. You know, I try. <laughs> All right, it's not yeah, that. The, no, it's, it's not that the world's that the ending. It's that it's falling. The earth is moving. I love that. Yeah, and and it is. You know, it's like tectonic plates are shifting under us, and we've got to come into into harmony with that so that we can thrive. And I see too many communities that I work with that are, again, they're in struggle. They're, so where, where's the money going to come from? Why aren't more people coming here? You know, they're not, their energy is going into organizational existence rather than putting the energy into a vision and taking that vision to the world. And then the organizational pieces tend to take care of themselves. And I think that's a hard lesson. It's sort of like you don't know what kind of parent you're going to be until you become a parent. And right. once you once once the child shows up, for many people anyway, it kind of falls into place, and you sort of know what to do because you're looking at the bigger picture. And I think that's what we need to do more with with uh, with our ministries around the world of all kinds of, of every denomination. And I think spiritual organizations have to do a better job of training and preparing people for uh, spiritual leadership, and then providing ongoing support especially in the area of emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence and things like that. 
because when those pieces aren't in place, we end up with communities where there's, you know, there's drama and there's abuse and there's just all kinds of things that, that detract from rather than add to spiritual growth. Well, uh, one of the things I know that we um, talk about often in, in leadership is that, you know, when something changes, like a project comes to an end or uh, a position comes to an end, the importance and value of holding space around that and not filling that slot immediately or the repeat. And I'm sure you found in your findings that that's one of the reasons for stagnation in community is that people, uh, leaders and ministers and, you know, executive directors just want to go, well, we have that slot available and here's what we're doing, you know, and rather than what does that space want to, to become a few years ago, a new minister was coming here to apply for the assistant position And he said, oh, I couldn't wait to talk to you. I wanted to hear what the other minister before me did for four years. And I said, well, I'm not going to tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) And he looked at me like, you know, what? And I said, well, if he really loved what he's been doing for the last four years, he'd probably still be here. And just because he enjoyed doing it, knowing that he probably did, um, you may not want to do the same things. So, you know, let's let's look at what that can uh, evolve into. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think what you're talking about is what's called emergence. And mm-hmm. there's a, there are whole theories and models around that about, you know, allowing the future to emerge from within us rather than trying to impose our existing ideas onto everything, because if if we don't have that patience to allow that emergence to occur, we keep doing what we've been doing, and maybe we add 5 or 10% to it. But you don't get true innovation. You don't get true transformation with that kind of a perspective. And it's not that we have to be innovating all the time, but I think we do have to be encouraging the creativity of the individuals who are in our communities, because that's where the genius is. You know, and I think you were right on the money about telling that that applicant, you know, we want your genius in effect. We don't want you to repeat what someone else has done. We want you to bring the best of yourself and see how that fits into the whole picture. Absolutely. This is not a box we're trying to fill. This is um, an evolving community that we're wanting to see what, you know, what shows up. Um, and I want to just give a shout out to not only our, our listeners on, on Unity, um, online radio, unity.fm, uh, that tune in to us and download uh, these programs, just like um, the brilliance of this one, Jim, and the work you're doing. But also a shout out to our Facebook live streamers. We have a lot of people tuned in right now, and they're tuning in and calling in and... Uh, <laughs> We're just so blessed. Thank you all for being with us uh, today, and be sure and send us some comments. We love hearing from you, that's for sure. Uh, Jim, give us some, uh, we've talked about emergence, um, the evolving part. We've we've talked about uh, some of the crucial ideas of the millennials and that they don't want to just hear people standing in the front of the room talking about theory, uh, which Ernest Holmes said that so clearly. So many years ago, you know, we spend way too much time talking about theory rather than in Mm -hmm. practice. 
Uh, I've never forgotten that. That's a huge statement to live as a leader by is not only creating practice out loud. You know, um, here we are. You can adopt a pet today. Go into the green tent. You can get healthy living products today. Take care of your body. Blah, 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 blah. You know, that's that's one level of it. Um, the practice of seeing us practice uh, is means everything. Of, you know, how we stand in front of a group when something occurs in our world. And, and though we don't keep things under a rug, it can't become our only piece of carpet either. Um, so... Enlighten us a little bit about some of the other areas uh, that are addressed without disclosing so much of your book. We want people to go on Amazon, <laughs> go on there today and purchase the book, Creating the Beloved Community, Get Behind Jim's Work. We have communities all over the country um, that are closing uh, because of lack of activity and energy. I'm not necessarily talking about new thought, but I'm talking overall you can read the statistics. They're all very clear out there. And lots of places can use our help. Um, give us some more of that wisdom, Jim, and some more things for me to talk about on Sunday. I'm telling you, you are just saying so many great things. I love it. Well, good. So I would, Well, one of the topics I talk about in the book is, is uh, spiritual, spiritually oriented social activism or looking, working for justice. And I know this is not the vision of every spiritual community, but I use it as an example to point out how not only do we have to decide how we're going to engage the community and what's important to us, we have to show up prepared to do that. Because what I see a lot in social activism are people who are not spiritually mature enough to really engage at a level that ensures that you're going to be in a place of compassion, you're going to be in a place of spiritual presence, and you're not just going to be going out and being against something or being angry at something. And that can do more harm than good. You know, when, when we see religious organizations show up at a place and, and they're, they're derided because they're being, you know, like the Westboro, Westboro Baptist Church being the most egregious example, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we often, you know, everyone, you know, the God hates fags thing and all that. Um, but I also see a lot of very well-meaning organizations go out and what they end up doing is getting into arguments with people who are maybe representing a different point of view or or making people that are doing social services for the government wrong or something like that. I think we have to, one of the main focuses of the book is we have to do our inner work first. We have to go out into the world once we have developed our own sense of emotional maturity and our own sense of spiritual maturity so that we are ready to engage from a truly spiritual place within us. And I, I just, I don't know how to, I, I don't think you can overemphasize that too much because there's so much of just people being angry and going out and thinking they're righteous and, and making other people wrong. And, you know, it just doesn't lead anywhere positive. So there's a bit, a good bit of the book that talks about how to build that inner self, how spiritual leadership can be play their important role in working with their members to make sure that, A, the spiritual leaders are modeling what they want to see, and, B, to ensure that the that, that when they put someone into a group that's going to go out into the world in some way that those people are ready. Absolutely, and we have Amelia turning, tuning in with us today, and she's talking about how 
um, in what you're saying, how it's so important for for her to always put on her social site, uh, you know, things that teach love and things that teach oneness and, and things that teach, um, you know, that we're not separate and those kind of things. So first of all, Amelia, thank you for doing that. That's really awesome. And, um, and Jim, I like to say often, you know, on Sunday, please be on social media and on your blogs and everything, the same person that you are reflecting here on Sunday morning. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice, yeah. And, you know, because it yeah. shocks me sometimes when people are devotees of um, the theology of, of science of mind or, or unity, and then I'm, you know, scanning through my news feed at night, and I go, that can't be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely, that be, absolutely. That yeah. can't be, Miss Margaret, that I've seen every week, um, you know, in the social hall, um, and that is leading the Course in Miracles. Surely I've got the, I've got the wrong person. I, that is so important for us to be congruent with the walking and the talking um, and everything that we do, and the thing about social media now is the things you paste up there because you're having, you know, a really bad day um, can be pulled up uh, years down the road. Absolutely. And, yeah, and I think that's where the emotional intelligence comes in because, you know, people can learn the principles of, of our new thought teachings, which are absolutely essential. But if they're not applying them through, say, a lens of, of emotional maturity, it's going to show up as an immature version of those principles. And that's what we see so often. I, you know, I certainly see it on, uh, I've had to talk with people who are, you know, at, well, practitioners in CSL are kind of the equivalent of lay leaders in, in unity. And you have a practitioner that's putting all these, you know, not just political stuff, but screeds on their Facebook page. And you have to pull them in and have a conversation to say, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's not it's not the side you're on; it's the way you're being on that side that is totally out of out of character, out of principle, out of you know, uh, uh, out of compassion. You know, right. if you can't be on social media in compassion, and you're you have you're a credentialed spiritual leader, you probably shouldn't be on t- social media. Um, I don't mean we shouldn't talk about politics, but I think we have to do it in, in the most constructive way possible. I think spiritual maturity is being able to look anything in the face and not be knocked off balance by it. And that's a tall order. I, I get that. I can't do it m- much of the time. But I think that's the goal. That's the vision. Where, you know, if you look at Mother Teresa in Calcutta, she goes to one of the poorest places in the world and goes to the worst of the worst in terms of the cases she dealt with because she was able to bring a spiritual sense to that kind of service. Everyone can't do that. But I think we should be striving to do it. That is um, Yeah, I just wanted to say this. We went to, we went to a Cirque du Soleil show last night which was wonderful. And on the way out, they have this big sign it's a, that says, you may now return to reality. <laughs> and I thought about, wouldn't it be cool to put that sign in front of our centers, but put the same wording on both sides so that when you leave, you're returning to reality, but when you come into the spiritual community, that's reality too. And you have to learn to marry the two. I think that's so important. That's really cool. I, I really like that. That's 
That's powerful, Jim. I'm, I'm talking today with Jim Lockhart. He is a long-term spiritual leader and teacher. He has been a minister of a number of successful uh, centers for spiritual living. Um, most recently, your last one, Jim, was in Simi Valley, correct? That's correct, yeah. Yes, yes. I, I thought I had it uh, correct. And we are talking about his new book, just came out on Amazon. It's Creating the Beloved Community. You can be one of the first to get the book. I want to thank all of you for your comments that you're making on Facebook Live. We appreciate you. And for all of you who support the intentional spirit and give your contributions to Unity Online Radio because of you, we are the voice for an ongoing, changing, and evolving world. We'll be right back after this short break. Thank you for being with us. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What if you could experience vibrant health? help heal the planet and be a great friend to god's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast lunch and dinner authors victoria and adair moran say you can do this easily affordably and deliciously in their new book main street vegan everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Jim Lockhart. He is the inventor, the creator of the new book, Creating the Beloved Community. He uses some of the wisdom that he's learned through his life with Howard Thurman 
as well as Martin Luther King. Um, in addition to the fact of what worked and what didn't work in his spiritual community that offers leaders and uh, practitioners and ministers uh, the ideas of what can really create that thriving work. Um, I see also, Jim, on your website, um, is it calderconsulting.net? Cotter, C-O-T-T-E-R, that's my wife's name. Okay. Uh, consulting.net, yeah. Yeah. From South Carolina, it would be Cotter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Cotter, C-O-T-T-E-R, consulting.net. And you can read about the various things he offers. He does leadership and personal growth. He does spiral dynamics. He helps nonprofit uh, board development, also personal empowerment, one-on-one spiritual psychology, men and couples retreats. He does so much to support people that are realizing that though everything is spiritual, Ernest Holmes used to say nothing's more spiritual than a ham sandwich. Or I heard that quote from somebody else, Bitzer or Richelieu, and I've been using it ever since. That's what Holmes said. But anyway, we know everything is spiritual, but there's something being intentional about our own spirituality that makes everything seem different, much more animated, and and, and much more um, rich for all of our lives. Jim, what did this process of writing the book teach you? Well, um, well, first of all, how many typos you can make uh, in a first draft. That was one thing. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> It really, well, it taught me, um, you know, to really look at what I was doing in terms of speaking to people who were out in the field and and communicating with not just uh, spiritual leaders, ministers, but also people who are attending communities and, and reading a lot of different blogs about spiritual community and the Christian community and the Jewish community and so forth. Because what I'm finding is that there's a whole lot of similarity of experience in that there's this you know, there are these shifts going on. I mentioned earlier these cultural shifts that are affecting everyone across the board. Um, one of the most obvious things is a, is a general decline in Sunday or, or in worship attendance. But there's more going on than that. There's a whole lot more going on than that. And I think it has to do with the way our culture is evolving and things are speeding up. We're living in a time of very rapid cultural evolution. And um, a lot of us aren't quite uh, figuring that out. We're not really, we don't know what to do. And and one of my favorite people, Barbara Marks Hubbard, who is a futurist and just one of the geniuses who has also been very supportive of New Thought over the years, she talks about the idea we're moving into a time for which there are no models, um, where we don't have the past to look at for what we're going to need to do in the future. So people say to me, you know, that have, read the book initially or read my blog, and I said, well, what are the models for, for church, for, for, for mosque, for whatever? What are, the, what are the models going to be? And I have to say, I don't know. We're going to have to co-create them, and there may be more than one. You know, the Sunday go-to-meeting kind of a model is, has not been around forever, and it has changed greatly over time. And it seems to be, um, it seems to be in the process of becoming less uh, important in terms of the overall picture and structure of, of spiritual community. But what's going to repl- replace it uh, is still in development and still emerging. And that's one of the difficult places to be. 
um, because we want to know. You know, we they say that the there was a study done one time that said the number one and number two needs of people. The number one need was certainty, and the number two need was uncertainty. So we 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 like to be in that balance, but we tend to want to know what the future is going to be. And in this case, increasingly, we just don't. We just don't know what what is, you know, what is the new thought movement going to look like in 50 years? Um, what's what are what is the Methodist Church going to look like in 50 years? Or uh, what is conservative Judaism going to look like in 50 years? And some of us want to say, oh, it's going to look the same as it does now, but it really isn't. It doesn't look the same now as it did 50 years ago. So no, it certainly doesn't, and I can't imagine that that would be you know fun to be part of if it if it becomes stagnant like that. And uh, like you, I've, I've traveled to a lot of different communities of different types, and I'm often shocked by, um, definitely I'm, I'm shocked by the number of empty seats. That would be one thing, because it's the greatest teaching in the world. But I think more than that, what I find troubling is the lack of presence. And I'm not talking about the lack of God. You know, I, I'm not on into that kind of ego trip. I'm just talking about the the life presence. You know, it just it feels like rote. You know, it it, it feels like you know it, it just doesn't have that life, uh, that excitement and mm-hmm. enthusiasm that you would want to see and witness for um, the greatest teachings and the the most wonderful. Social, social conscious theology that's available on the planet. I mean, and to me, new thought is is the answer to everything that I read in the paper. It's the answer. Yes, and I, I absolutely agree, obviously, since I'm in new thought, but, but also I see so many cases where we in new thought can't get out of our own way, much less help anybody else. Yeah. And that's difficult to say, but it's it's out there, you know. So the question is, how do we how do we clean up our own house? How do we get our our own affairs in order and get really clear? And then we we have something of great benefit to bring to the world in a way that perhaps the world needs to hear it or needs to experience it rather than what we think they need to hear. And that's another piece of this that's another piece of this evolving thing. The great authorities of the past don't exist anymore because people look at look at those kinds of things differently. The value systems have changed. So it used to be someone like a pope could make a decree and have a huge effect all over the world. Today anyone and anything can be questioned. And I, and you know, whether you say that's good, bad or indifferent, it doesn't matter, it just is. Right. So so we have to learn to accommodate ourselves to the unfolding reality of life, and then we need to learn to thrive in it. So that's that's really what this is about for me. And it doesn't mean giving up our principles at all. In fact, it means living them more fully, but perhaps expressing them differently. No doubt about it. I, I see you getting more involved with the Association for Global New Thought. And for those of you listening that you're not familiar with it, it's A-G-N-T dot org. Um, because it is an exciting movement. Um, we are coming upon celebrating 20 years of the season for nonviolence, which people participate from all over the world. But I'd really love to see your leadership uh, in the midst of us that have been working with them for quite some time, because um, you'll find it very exciting, the, the different levels of activism 
and the conscious majority work that that we do uh, towards making a difference collectively. Unity Science of Mind Foundations for Better Living, Agape. It, it's a wonderful thing. So off off site at another time. I want to follow through with you on that, and I'm sure um, Dr. Ken Gordon, I believe, is the one that even said to me that you're just a great leader. So. Hmm. Well, Not I've been on the advisory board for aging right. for some time, so I just haven't been able to participate much lately because, as it happens, we've been out of the, out of the country when they've been doing their events lately. But yeah, um, yeah I, I keep in touch. I keep in touch with Barbara Fields and some of the other folks there. I really do. It's it's a it's a great organization. It's one of the lights in New Thought. There's no question about it. No question. Um, give us another uh, part of your of your book. Well, there's a little piece in that. You mentioned presencing, and I'm, I'm going to use it from a slightly different perspective. There's a book called Presence that's a business book that's been out for a number of years by Peter Senge and Otto Sharmer and a few others. And what presence is is what is the energy you bring with you into uh, your life, into, you know, if you're a spiritual leader, what is the presence you carry with you? Are you? Do you come across as needy? Do you come across as competent? Do you come across as compassionate, as loving? Or are you a good listener or not? And and those kinds of qualities. And I think it's it's something that's very important to pay attention to, and to cultivate the best level of presence you can as a leader, and within your own community. Um, if if these things are left to the unconscious, we tend to just fall into habit patterns and make everything try to fit the way we are. Um, rather than, you know, to be everyone, be consciously in a process of continual change, continual up-leveling. And when you do that in a community, it's very exciting and very energizing. It sounds like a lot of work, but it really, it is work, but it's the kind of work that, that enlivens you. And I think that being consciously aware of, you know, I, I put in the book, when you're a spiritual leader and you're in your lobby and a new person comes in, what do you think their impression of you is? Not so much in terms of your appearance or anything, but how does it feel to be around you? Does it feel inviting? Does it feel intimidating? And, and, and so forth. What are you bringing into the, into the room? And then what are you encouraging your own uh, leaders within your community, your board members, your assistant ministers, whoever it may be? Are you paying attention to their presencing and helping them to cultivate the kind of beingness that will lead to what I call a, a really strong attractor to the kind of people that really want to be creative, compassionate, and on fire with the teaching? Because those things attract. And if, we, if we're not attracting people like that, we're attracting people maybe that you know, they're going to be more in a place of being needy. They're going to be more in a place of being resistant to change uh, and so forth, which doesn't make them bad. It's just talking about the different kinds of energies that we, we draw in. And I would add, there's a fellow named Bruce Sanguine. You may be familiar with him. He wrote a book called The Emerging Church a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, really interesting guy. But he talks about this interesting dual need of spiritual community to, to both envelop and develop people. So you need to envelop people that come in in need, that are wounded, that have been, or that have become wounded, that have had great loss. And they they need to be surrounded with love and support and and so forth. But then you want to develop the people that are in a place that they're ready to grow. 
that they to give them the challenges to grow into new ways of being and to become leaders and also to be the ones that can provide support to those that need development. All too often, spiritual communities focus on one or the other rather than both. And when you focus on enveloping, you and the people that are ready to develop and ready to grow will tend to leave. And when you focus just on developing, on just the healthy people, and you ignore the people that are having problems, they will tend to leave. So, and, and if either one of those groups leaves, you have an incomplete community because you're not able to express and learn and grow in the way that would be more whole. So I think that's an important thing for leadership to keep in mind as well is, you know, are we, do we have a really good enveloping uh, process here and do we have a really good developing process here? And it sounds like I know you do at your center because you're, you're in a thriving place. You can tell you have it when you're thriving, you know, and you're thriving over time. It's not just like, you know, some centers come out of the box and they get 500 people in the first month and four years later they're gone. I'm talking about places that sustain the kind of community where, where people's needs are met, whether those needs are to be supported or whether those needs are to find ways to support others. So, yeah, that that's very theme. powerful. Absolutely very powerful. Um, and I love the, the way that, that you put that in a reality that everybody can, can relate to because it, it, you can get way out of balance. Uh, just just hurt, uh, serving those who need help and and having your head turned to the people that are going let's go let's go I mean there's got to be that that ongoing um, movement it's like you said earlier it, it's not that the sky is falling it's that the earth continues to move I absolutely love that <clears throat> I am going to use that and I I definitely will will quote you <laughs> well feel sure. free I probably am not the originator of that but feel well, free <laughs> you are to me so. I'm going to put your name on it. What happens after that is, you know, whatever, whatever is. But um, I just want to remind everyone to go and and check out all the work that that Jim does and looks how what he offers can be of value to you in in your life. It's uh, Cotter Consulting, C-O-T-T-E-R Consulting.net. And also uh, his book, can you purchase it through there online or is the best place to go, uh, Jim, on Amazon? Actually, I haven't gotten to the website to update it yet with the book, so that's what I'm the project for later this week. It's best to go right to Amazon and just enter uh, Creating the Beloved Community. There there is another book by that title, but mine usually comes up first or second. I'm not surprised. We call that consciousness, right? Yeah. So it's, we're, as we're uh, closing our time together, it, it always goes so quickly. Um, are, is there a closing thought that you have or something you want to share? Well, I just think our spiritual communities, one of, the, one of the effects of this cultural change is they can appear to be less and less relevant. And I think that the opposite is true. I think spirituality is more relevant than ever. And I think it's, it's incumbent upon, especially those of us that are in what I would call the progressive realm of spirituality. You know, and New Thought certainly is in the vanguard of that, of, of forward-looking, positive um, uh, teachings of oneness and empowerment, that we really engage with what we, A, what we have to offer, and B, what people are looking for to find that marriage of both 
where we can be exciting beacons for people to find and find ways to transform them, their lives, to empower themselves. And you know, the focus of the book is to create the beloved community at the local level so that the local spiritual community can become part of the universal spiritual community, which is what was envisioned by Martin Luther King and Howard Thurman and others before that. But that's, that's really the key, is when, when my spiritual community engages with the world at large, is it contributing to that grand idea, or is it maybe detracting from it? And I think that's where we really have to take a hard look at ourselves in the mirror and know that we're walking our talk in the most authentic way possible, and to be willing to do the work to get to that place of being, that presencing level. And that's what it's about. And, and I want to uh, spend the rest of my life encouraging and helping people to uh, to achieve that. Thank you, Jim, and thank you for creating the beloved community and offering it in a way that all of us can model it as well as, as benefit from it. Thank all of you for listening today and all of you live streamers with Facebook. We greatly appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. A, a big shout-out and namaste to each and every one of you. For those of you that enjoy these types of messages, please visit us at firstunity.org, our First Unity Spiritual Campus, as well as templehays.com. Thank you so much for being an intentional spirit and tuning in. For me, it, it sets the course of my week as I practice these great ideas and tools, not rules, um, offered by such great guests as you, Jim. So thank you, Jim, for being with us, and many blessings to all of you. And remember, peace begins right here, right now, and more importantly, it begins with each and every one of us. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, Looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose? Join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio.
It's been said that the way to build a peaceful world is one person at a time. Think about it. Haven't we all been in situations where one person's attitude, his or her state of mind and way of being, had a profound effect on everyone in the group? We may have seen times when the effect was negative, caused by gossip or backbiting. But we've all seen times where one person changed an environment in a positive way. By maintaining a friendly attitude of goodwill toward everyone, he or she gradually influenced more and more members of the group to do the same. Before long, the positive attitude became the norm. Peace began with one person. I look for opportunities to be that person. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. of spiritually conscious living start now for a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential tune in to the yoga hour living the eternal way with yogacharya ellen grace o'brien every thursday morning at 10 a.m central 8 a.m pacific only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world the saying a good deed is its own reward well moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward it will also reward you with vibrant health boundless energy an easy way to keep your weight where you want it and according to yogis and unity's co-founder charles fillmore even give a boost to your spiritual life on main street vegan the radio program named for the popular book Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Reverend Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 